Galatians chapter 5, and I'd like to read verses 16 through 26. The Apostle Paul writes, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. About which I tell you in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of the Almighty. And here's our text for today. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to the Messiah, Yeshua, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. So in my last sermon, I talked about the battle between our flesh, which is our sinful human nature, and the Spirit of Yahweh. And what makes the battle so strong in us as believers is that we have both of these active in our makeup. If you're a believer, you have been given the down payment or the earnest money of the Spirit. Paul also calls it the first fruits of the Spirit. But you're still wrapped in humanity. So we have the ability as believers to not sin. But we also still have the ability to sin. So long as we battle is a good sign that we're Yahweh's child. A child of Yahweh can fall into sin, but he or she will not remain in or live in that sin. Proverbs 24.16 says that a righteous man falls seven times, but gets back up. It is when a person does not battle, or when a person lives in sin in an unrepentant way, that is a good sign, or that can be a sign, that the person is not a child of the Almighty. Proverbs 24.16 also says that the wicked stumble into ruin. Paul's main point since verse 13 in Galatians 5 is to give balance to the Galatian Gentiles. A balance that we can learn from in our own lives. He spent Galatians chapter 3, 4 and the first part of verse 5 showing how that Gentiles, those who did not grow up in the Torah, they're not required to keep certain aspects, certain out, outward aspects of the law in order to be forgiven or justified in Yahweh's sight. A Gentile's faith in Yeshua as the seed of Abraham, the promised Messiah, the son of Yahweh, is what forgave them of their sin. They didn't have to then proselytize to Judaism, which is not necessarily a bad term. It's become a corrupted term, but... Originally, in the book of Maccabees, Judaism simply meant the faith of the people of Israel, the faith of the people of Judah. 
But the Gentiles didn't have to proselytize to Judaism to be forgiven or to be saved. They did not have to take out take on those outward aspects of the law in order to be a first-class member in the body of the Messiah. Paul writes Galatians 5, 13-26 to balance that out. Because in saying that, he does not mean that the Gentiles were free to live any way that they wanted to live. Paul's teaching to the Gentiles about not being justified by the works of the law did not mean that they were not commanded to obey the law. That's his entire point in verses 13 through 26. While they did not have to obey the outward markers in Judaism in order to be forgiven of their sin, they were required to obey the law in general. And if they possessed the Spirit of Yahweh, their obedience to the law would be a natural outflowing of the Spirit's work in their heart and in their mind. So that brings us up to verse 22 about the fruit of the Spirit. And when Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit, he is contrasting what he just wrote about the works of the flesh. He says back in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are obvious or evident. He says in verse 22, but, that's the contrast, but the fruit of the Spirit. And then he gives kind of the opposites of the works of the flesh. And I want to present to you today that the works of the flesh are transgressions of the law and the fruit of the Spirit is obedience to the law. That's what I believe that Paul is getting at here. Now my first point before we get into the characteristics that are listed here as fruit is to make sure that we realize it is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Matthew. It's not the fruit of TJ. It's not the fruit of William. It's not the fruit of any of us. It is the fruit of the Spirit. These characteristics that we're about to go over are the offshoot or the product, the result, the fruit of the working of Yahweh's Spirit that He has placed in your body, in your life. That down payment, that's first fruits of the Spirit. Just the other day, Josiah and I did a job for a fellow and he turned out to be a pastor. And he said he was a pastor of a Nazarene church. And I didn't know a whole lot about the church of the Nazarene, but he explained to me that it was kind of an offshoot of the teachings of John Wesley. So it's kind of like old school Methodist or Wesleyan mentality, which in some ways I think is good. One of the things in our brief conversation, we were in a hurry, we had a lot of work to do that day, but one of the things that he told me when we were sitting there talking is, I asked him, I said, what do you guys believe? Tell me something that you believe in. And the first thing that he said was, well... We don't believe in predestination. And immediately, in my mind, I thought, well, I could blow that out of the water right now. That was my first thought. And you know what? That thought, that was a work of Matthew. (laughs) That was pride. That was a work of the flesh. Um, He does not have to believe in predestination in order to be forgiven or saved. And I should not be talking to anybody with the mentality of blowing their thoughts out of the water. (laughs) That is just a prideful boasting of Matthew Jansen. That was my first thought. That was a work of the flesh, pride. But then I restrained myself, had a cordial conversation, and we were able to give a little back and forth before we left the job. And that restraint that I had, that self-control that I had, that wasn't Matthew. That was the Spirit of Yahweh inside of Matthew. That is what gave me the ability to restrain. I didn't muster that up in myself. 
so that I go away and think, well, Matthew, you really did a good job. No, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. Yahweh was working in and through me. The reason that a believer is able to have supernatural love and joy and peace is only because Yahweh put His Spirit inside of you. The reason a believer is able to exhibit a special amount of gentleness or long-suffering is because Yahweh's Spirit is enabling you. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is Yahweh who is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act for His good purpose. It's like Yahweh took a giant thumb drive and plugged it into your USB port and downloaded His program into your computer. You did not have it before, but you have it now. And He is causing you to act in righteous ways. He is not forcing anybody against their will. He changes your will so that you desire to do His will. Now, somebody's bound to say something like this. But I've seen unbelievers love, Brother Matthew. I've been shown love by someone who doesn't even claim to believe in God. Listen, there is a difference between the love of man and the love of Yahweh. And this will go for all of the fruit that we'll talk about. There's love, and then there's Yahweh's love. Though I give all my goods to feed the poor, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, I am nothing. The Apostle Paul wrote that as well. 1 Corinthians 13, very popular verse. People can show love in this world for all sorts of reasons. Bragging rights, pride, give to charity just so they can write it off on their taxes. You name it. People can show love for all sorts of reasons. But the love of Yahweh is given from a heart that simply desires to please Yahweh and looks for no earthly reward. The natural love that even unbelievers can possess is not the same as the love of Yahweh. What is the love of Yahweh? Anybody? To keep His commandments. That's right. 1 John 5 verse 3. I believe that Paul lists love here first in the fruit of the Spirit because love covers it all. Remember that he's already stated that the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. The love of Yahweh is the first characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. And a person who is born of the Spirit will have a love that they never had before. They will see with new eyes and they will hear with new ears. They will live with new desires and they will desire to serve the Almighty, keeping the commandments. And they will do so, not because they want to brag about it, not because they want to boast about it or have people think that's a loving person. They'll do so. You will do so. If you have the Spirit of Yahweh, you will do so just because you want to love your Creator. He put it inside of you. He is enabling you both to will and to act according to His good pleasure. My friends, this is the reason that people who you thought would never change, change. A class did not make them change. A book on 10 steps to recovery did not make you change. Your grandma did not make you change. Yahweh changed you. He downloaded His love into your heart. When Yahweh puts His love into your heart, you will love like Yeshua loved. You will have this desire in you to be kind and gentle to everybody. 
To be long-suffering to somebody that needs help. To practice self-control and restraint in your life. You'll be patient and peaceful with people and a peacemaker in the lives of others. You'll be a happy person filled with joy. You'll be a faithful person even in the little things. The Spirit of Yahweh inside of you, it will bubble up and it will spill over into the lives of all those that you meet. And you will have a good lawful impact upon everybody. I've learned over the years that the best witness of your faith to an atheist, to even a Satan worshiper, if you meet them, and I've met a few of them over the years, your best witness to them is not to have some kind of great apologetic or not any of that. Your best witness is just to be loving and to be kind. Show them the love of the Messiah. Listen, they do not want to get into an argument with you. They're not interested in that. They need to see that there's something different about you. They need to see that you don't just go to church on Sunday or go to church on Sabbath and then forget about the Scriptures and forget about everything in the Bible for the rest of the week. They need to see the life of the Messiah working in and through you. And if you have the Spirit of Yahweh, the fruit of the Spirit will slap them up one side and down the other. You won't need any apologetics course. You simply are loving and you are kind. You'll do more good by showing an atheist or a Satan worshiper, you'll do more good by showing them the love of the Messiah by how you act than all of the Bible training courses in the world. Now, as we center in on some of this fruit, each of these characteristics listed as fruit of the Spirit are pretty much self-explanatory. So I'm not going to go over each and every one of them. I'm going to spend time discussing a few of them that I don't think get talked about much in church or by pastors anymore. And the first one that I want to talk about is kindness. Synonyms for kindness are pleasant, mild, and benevolent. Kindness is the opposite of being harsh, or sharp, or bitter, or mean. It's like when I was a little boy, and we played with our cousins. We would be playing games or something like that, and we'd get into a spat. Granddaddy would say, play pretty. Don't play ugly. Play pretty. (laughs) Be kind is what he was saying. I love that song Brother Ron sings. Be kind, be kind all the time. (laughs) Don't let me judge, but be kind. Sometimes I'll sing that song walking through the house. Sometimes I'll sing that song when I'm out at the job site. And if you have maybe a temper trying to flare or you're trying to get upset or you're worried or you're stressed out, you begin to sing that song that Brother Ron wrote. Forgive, forgive, help me forgive. (laughs) Love, love, love from above. It helps. Be kind. You know how it feels when you meet somebody who is kind to you. They do not judge you. And what I mean by that is they love you where you're at. I learned something from Sister Kimberly a long time ago. and She said that we ought to love people where they are at because Yahweh loves us where we're at every day. And none of us are yet as we ought to be. So we ought to exhibit that love that Yahweh has. Meeting people where they're at. You do not have to agree with a person or their lifestyle in order to be kind to them. When we meet unbelievers in the world, we're certainly going to judge them in this sense. We don't agree with what they practice. That does not mean we judge them in the sense of not being kind to them. 
If Yahweh was only kind to perfect people, He wouldn't be kind to any of us. He's kind and He's merciful to people who hate Him every day. The worst unrepentant sinner in the world, Yahweh feeds and clothes. He lets them enjoy good food, good family. He gives them a job. He supplies them with basic necessities of life all the time. That's what's called in theology the common grace of Yahweh. That's kindness. Did you know that the Bible says that it is the kindness? Some translations say goodness. Same thing in the Greek, goodness or kindness. But it's the kindness of Yahweh that leads people to repentance. That's in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. And there's a lot more to it in context, but it's there. As Yahweh's children, we are to be kind as Yahweh is kind. People are to see in us a kindness that amazes them. And you know why it's amazing? Because it's not our fruit. It's not an earthly kindness. It's a heavenly kindness downloaded into us by the Spirit. People should leave us scratching their head wondering, how in the world could they be so kind to me? Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I challenge you to try that. I've tried it on customers before, carnal customers. <laughs> and they can be all upset. I say, well, I'm sorry. You know, we probably should have taken more time to do that. And you'll just see the whole demeanor will change. The Scripture is inspired. The Scripture is true. A soft answer turns away wrath. The same goes for gentleness. I'd like to talk about gentleness. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness means mildness and humility. When I talk like this to religious people, when I talk about kindness and gentleness to religious people, a lot of times they want to pipe up and say, well, the Messiah took a whip and ran people out of the temple. and Like that's the only thing that the Messiah ever did. He took a whip and ran people out of the temple. One brother, one brother shared with me that he believed that the reason for the whip was to drive the animals out. Not necessarily the people, but nevertheless, Yeshua did have righteous indignation in his heart because they were turning his father's house into a den of robbers. You know, when it was supposed to be a place of worship. And uh, there's a lot that goes into that deception and selling certain sacrificial animals and, and all of that, but that's not my message. But listen, that is one thing. That is one thing that the Messiah did. But that is not the only thing that He did. Being gentle. It is true that being gentle and kind does not mean that there is never a time for righteous anger. There is a time for righteous anger. Numbers chapter 12, verse 4 says that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the whole earth. And he was. But there was still a time when Moses got a little angry. I'll say he got a lot angry. He had been up on the mountain fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He hadn't had any food or any water. He'd been communing with the Most High. And he had those cubes of the covenant. He had those stones, tablets. And he walked down and he saw that the Israelites were just doing all this kind of junk. And he broke the commandments. So there is always time for righteous indignation. But, like I said, the Messiah, He went into the temple, He drove out those that bought and sold in the temple, but that's not the only thing that He did. The problem is, is that most of the time, when I hear people say that, well, the Messiah took a whip and drove people out of the temple. When I hear people say that, most of the time, religious people use it as an excuse to be a jerk and walk around angry and brash at everybody they meet. Our Messiah did not walk around with a chip on His shoulder. And when He did get angry, and this is a key, I think, in understanding this, when the Messiah got angry, it was never with the common people. It was always with the religious leaders. 
And that's because religious leaders are supposed to be held to a higher standard. Qualifications for the ministry, qualifications for the Levites, qualifications for the elders, Exodus 18, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, Deuteronomy chapter 1. You know all those texts. Let not many of you be teachers, knowing that you'll incur a stricter judgment, James 3 verse 1. So sometimes Yeshua let the religious leaders have it, but the common people heard Him gladly, the Scripture says. He got mad at the religious leaders, but overall our Messiah was a gentle man. In Matthew 11, He said, For I am gentle and humble in heart. He loved people. He was kind. He was merciful. If you want to be like the Messiah, you will be gentle. You won't go around looking for a fight. You go around trying to make peace because blessed are the peacemakers. In Titus chapter 3, Paul writes this. He says that us believers should slander no one, avoid fighting, and be kind. Always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, captives of various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness of Yahweh our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy. That's a good Bible verse. Now, all of the fruit that's listed in Galatians 5, 22-23 should be evident in your life as a believer. These fruit of the Spirit are not like the gifts of the Spirit. Every believer does not have every gift of the Spirit. If you're a believer, you have at least one gift of the Spirit, sometimes more than one. But if you're a believer, you should exhibit all of the fruit of the Spirit. And like the fruit of faith, I believe is different than the gift of faith. Okay? And I could probably preach a lesson on that, but you don't have all of the gifts. You're not required to have all of the gifts of the Spirit, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but you are supposed to have and exhibit all of the fruit of the Spirit. While it should be evident in you, and it's for every believer, it does take time and it does take practice. You have to sow to the Spirit in order to reap of the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh. A lot of preachers talk about sowing and reaping and they, they relate it to money. <laughs> when we get in Galatians 6, we're going to see that sowing and reaping is related to sowing to transgression of the law or sowing to obedience to the law. That's what sowing and reaping is. And if you sow to the Spirit, meaning live a spiritual life, which a spiritual life is not some kind of esoteric life, pull a rabbit out of a hat life. A spiritual life is Yahweh's Spirit is enabling you to keep the commandments. So if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap from the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap from the flesh. That's the sowing and reaping that Paul teaches here in the book of Galatians. Over time and through practice, you can get better at each of these listed in verse 22 and 23. But you have to wake up each morning and you've got a purpose in your heart that you're going to go out into the world and show people love and kindness and gentleness. You're going to be faithful. You're going to be long-suffering. You're going to have self-control. You're going to be good to people. You've got to purpose that in your heart every day that you wake up. Notice Paul ends the list here by saying this. He says, against these things or against such things, there is no law. I don't see how people miss this part. But what Paul is saying is there's no law against love. There's no law against joy. There's no law against peace. There's no commandment that says thou shalt not be long-suffering. There's no command that says thou shalt not have self-control. When Paul says against such things there is no law, it proves that the law should still be obeyed. 
There are laws against all of the works of the flesh listed in verses 19 through 21. You can go back to the Torah and you can find laws against all of those works. But when you go to the Torah, you don't find any laws against the fruit of the Spirit. Against such things, there is no law. You see that point? I hope that you do. If you don't see me after the service, I'll try to explain it to you in another translation. (laughs) In verse 24, Paul writes, Now those who belong to the Messiah Yeshua have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you belong to the Messiah, you live every day striving to deny your flesh. Denying what your flesh desires to do. You put it to death. You say no to sin. You don't walk around indulging in unrighteousness. You walk by the Spirit. Those that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So don't listen to any type of theology that tries to make you feel at ease or make you think that you can just do anything that you want to do and that you're liberated in the sense that you have you know, libertinism or something. Don't listen to that. Those that belong to the Messiah have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When you wake up in the morning, you should say, all right, Jerry, all right, Rocky, all right, Matthew, it's time to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. It's time to walk according to the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, if we've been made alive by the Spirit, and we have, let us also walk or follow the Spirit. It's time to do those things that make the Spirit strong. Put to death anything that gets in the way. Verse 25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let's walk or follow the Spirit. If we've been made alive by the Spirit of Yahweh, we should follow the Spirit's teaching. Our pattern of life should be one that shows forth righteousness, not lawlessness. People should know you as a believer for your righteousness. They should think that's a righteous man or that's a righteous woman by how you act. You should be known for that. When someone says your name, those who hear your name should think that is a loving person, that is a kind person, that is a faithful person. And when it gets back to you, it shouldn't puff you up because you ought to know as a believer that it is not Matthew or you that works, but that it is Yahweh that works in you. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine among men so that others may see your good works. And what? Glorify the Father which is in heaven. Not glorify yourself. The scribes and the Pharisees, Matthew 23, all their works they did to be seen among men. Lengthen in their tassels, making broad their phylacteries, standing in the synagogues praying. They love Rabbi, Rabbi. Love to be called that. All they are worried about is what people think about them to glorify their self. It's okay to have people see your works, but you want to always point back to the Father. He's the source. He's why everything takes place. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. That's verse 26. When we lay down to sleep after a day of living, do not be conceited. That's basically what I just said. Don't be conceited. If you have a good day in your spirit, if you have a good day and you overcome sin and a temptation came your way and you were able to say no to sin like the Messiah did, no to sin, don't become conceited. Don't provoke one another. Don't envy one another. Don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Galatians 6, we'll talk about that probably next week. Don't try to provoke others to be as good as you think you are. (laughs) That's not how it works. You are what you are by the grace of Yahweh. Those of us who have been saved by grace, we should be the kindest and most patient people in the world. Because Yahweh had to plug His ways into us. They were not there to start with. 
He changed you. You did not change yourself. There's no room for bragging. There's only room for bowing at His feet and being thankful that He got a hold of you. This is the message, brothers and sisters. Let us walk by the Spirit. When you fall down, repent and get back up. When you fall again, repent. Get back up. Stay in the Word. Surround yourself with people that build you up in the faith. Not that tear you down in the faith. If somebody does nothing but negativity and tearing you down in the faith, listen, that's not, that's not what you want. You want to be encouraged in Yahweh. You want to be encouraged in His commandments. So stay in the Word. Surround yourself with people who build you up in the faith. Pray and ask Yahweh to make you strong for Him. Spread kindness and joy everywhere that you meet. I promise you, the impact will be tremendous. I promise you, I've seen it work. Make a lawful impact. And then, sometimes this is hard, but then wait patiently for Yahweh to work in somebody's life. A lot of times we try to be the Holy Spirit and force something on somebody. If somebody can be forced into something, they can be forced out of it. You're not the Spirit. Yahweh. Yahweh. So be patient. Spread kindness. Sow a seed of goodness. Sow a seed of faith. Sow a seed of long-suffering and patience and gentleness. Wait for Yahweh to work. You never know what Yahweh has in store. You don't know who Yahweh is going to save next. I love you. We'll keep this up next week in Galatians chapter 6. I appreciate you for your time. and uh, I'll, I'll have a word of prayer here to close out the lesson. And then we'll have testimony service. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You, Yahweh, for putting Your Spirit inside of me and giving me a desire to be obedient. I know that without You, I would be lost and miserable and I would be absolutely nothing. Thank You so much, Father, for Your grace. And thank You not just for Your grace on me, but thank You for Your grace on my wife and on my children. And I pray, Yahweh, that it continue from generation to generation according to Your will for our good. Thank You for Your people here. Another opportunity, at least one more time, to teach the Bible. Hallelujah.